Well, it's a privilege. Uh, it's always a privilege to be here. You know, I don't, I'm, we come to first service, so it's, uh, it's unique to be kind of in second service. This is where apparently the, this is the holy of holies. Uh, you're the ones who were up late last night uh, feeding the poor and doing other really godly things. So uh, the rest of us come to first service and get out as soon as possible. Um, so you're the, sincerely, you're the more spiritual, religious folks. Uh, come, to, come to second service and you meet all kinds of people. I just met Ben. He seems like he's a really nice guy. Um, I think he could work out if he sticks around a little while, yeah. I, I do have the privilege... Okay, I'm going to get rid of this. Watch out, I am unleashed. So I, I get the privilege to, uh, every few months, uh, Tears allows me or re- requires that I go back to the children's ministry and work with the flight school. Karen, my wife, actually does the teaching. I just get to be silly, right? Silly, we, we, we do the stories, and I get, we get to act them out sometimes, and it's a lot of fun. We have a lot of fun with it. And I know how much fun we have with it. And last week, just last week, I was back there, and one of the little girls I hadn't seen in a long, long time, probably doesn't not know my name, says, oh, I like him. He's really crazy. <laughs> like, I'm not really sure what that means. <laughs> but let's talk about Jesus. <laughs> so just, and by the way, for those of you that don't know me, uh, I didn't do this in the first service because uh, I think more of them are, you know, they're the frozen chosen. Um, <laughs> so for those of you who don't know me, yes, my name is Jarrell. Yes, that comes from Superman's father. Yes, that's crazy. See? So, um, so it's, a, it's always a privilege to um, have the opportunity to be in front, uh, to occupy this place. I don't do it lightly, although I, I like to have fun, um, but I don't do this lightly. I appreciate the, uh, our pastor, Brian. Um, he's, of course, our normal pastor, and um, just by declaration, I am uh, neither a pastor or, nor normal. So um, that just sets the tone. So let's have some fun. So I'm going to read the scripture. Uh, those of you, uh, for those that have to endure, that are in my uh, connect group, uh, we're going to be reading a very familiar passage because we just spent uh, all of last year going through the book of Genesis. So we're in Genesis 22, and I'm going to, as is, as is our habit, I'm going to read all the way through without commentary, and then we're going to pray, and we'll go back through with a little more expounding upon what the word says. So, let's read. Genesis 22, starting in verse 1. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and saddled his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place that God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship, and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. 
As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, or Father Abraham, Father? Yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that, now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up, and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by its thorns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. The angel of the Lord called Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies, and through your offspring all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Then Abraham returned to his servants, and they set off together for Beersheba, and Abraham stayed in Beersheba. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the word that is a love letter to us, that reaches to us from history to eternity and communicates your passion, your desire, your, your, your character, your person that communicates to our hearts the very things that you desire for us to know. I thank you that your word is powerful, that you're able to do mighty things, and that you would do that in our hearts today, Lord, as we learn and understand more about you and your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So, as uh, Ben mentioned, we're, today we're talking about uh, Jehovah Jireh, and I very much appreciate uh, the names of God as a, as a topic series. I'm grateful that Pastor Brian has done this. Uh, we have a, a little plaque that has about, I think, about 20 of them that we've had for many years. It was a gift to us, and it's always good. I, I think it should be something that we incorporate into our prayer life. Because, you know, prayer is not just asking, or it shouldn't be just petitioning or asking. It's not like we should bring, you know, our first, thing, first order of business in prayer should not necessarily be, uh, Lord, here's my grocery list, right, or here's the list of things I need to have. It, we should start with that kind of, with praise. And one of the greatest ways to praise God and recognize who he is, is by speaking the names of God. So I, I like to, you know, I don't do it all the time, but, but very often, just, just speak out his name. Just speak out the, the names that he has revealed to us. So when I open my prayer life or prayer time, it's, it's really about um, praying. You know, God, you are the one who provides. You are our righteousness. You are our peace. You are our shepherd. Uh, you are the God who sees. You are God Almighty. You are from everlasting to everlasting. You are the banner. Jehovah Nisi. Lots of things we can learn as we learn the names of God. So this is a, 
a great thing to, as we go through this series, to take and receive these and then put them into action. And, and, when, and to me, when I'm praying the names of God, I am reminding myself of who he is, of what he can do, what he has done, and what he will do. So today we're in Jehovah Jireh, and I don't know about you, if you've been, if you've been around, uh, been a believer for any length of time, I, the, there's a song that plays in my head when I say Jehovah Jireh, and it comes from Paul Wilbur. Um, he's like from the 80s. I think he's still doing his thing, but he's like from Israel, and there's this song that kind of goes through my head. So if I break out on the song during time, you will, um, you will flee from the room. Okay, <clears throat> so Jehovah Jireh is, as it's, as it's translated here, is the Lord will provide. It also may be rendered, the Lord has seen, or probably most correctly, the Lord will see to it. He will see to it. He will provide what he has asked. He will provide what is needed. And so with that, let's get into this, uh, into this passage again. So Genesis 22, verse 1. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. Ever feel like you're in a test from God? I do. His tests, fortunately, are able to be passed, right? That's usually the cry of my heart is, Lord, everything is a classroom. I just want to pass the test. I don't want to repeat the class, right? So Abraham tested God, or God tested Abraham, sorry. He said to him, Abraham. And Abraham says, here I am. Good job, Abraham. We're off to a good start. That's what we should say. We often talk about Isaiah. Remember Isaiah says, here I am, Lord, send me. Well, Abraham gets it right. He gets it right right here. And this is where he says, here I am, Lord, what would you have? Then God said, take your son, your only son. Now, as we sit here in the year 2015, looking back into history, that statement is very familiar to us. It's a very common thing, right? We hear it, we hear it reflected in, uh, what is it, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, right? His son, his only son. And so we sit here looking back in history, but Abraham at that time did not have that clear revelation, and yet he is speaking, right? God is speaking to him, into Abraham's heart, as a, as a sense of what's going to come. And I don't think Abraham has it all together, but I, I, we see it. We can see the pieces coming together. So take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains that I will tell you about. So early the next morning, meaning very quickly, because this is a three-day journey, very quickly. He didn't wait. He didn't deliberate. He didn't think about, well, Lord, I need to pray about that. Right? How many times do we do that? Hold on, Lord, I need to pray. Pray to who? About what God said? Really? Okay. So he didn't do that. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and saddled his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. And when he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, does that sound familiar? On the third day. By the way, nothing that God puts in the scripture is there by accident. It, that's not coincidental. There's no coincidences in the scripture. None. There's not the words, oh, I'll just throw these words in there. No, this is the word of God. It's, he speaks 
clearly and connected in a connected fashion. On the third day, oh, no, I lost my place. See, I have this thing with my eyes going that I can do, I can look or I can read, look distance or read, I can't. But if I take my glasses off, then we may be here a while because I could not see the clock. And I'm early in Genesis. You might have to stop me around Psalms, you know, so. Okay. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, now catch this, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. That makes perfect sense. Then he says, we will worship, and then we will come back to you. Now, that's interesting, because he, know exactly, he knows exactly what God has asked him to do. He's asked him to sacrifice his son, his only son. But here to the servants, we get a glimpse into what Ab- what's going on in Abraham's heart and what, what is happening in Abraham's spirit. He says, hey, you guys wait here. We're going to go over there, and then we will be back. Now, I don't know. It doesn't say exactly what Abraham was thinking, except Abraham knew he had heard from God. He knew the promise of God. He knew that the promise was about generations and about blessings and about a multitude of people that were going to come through Isaac, his only son. So in this moment, he's speaking to the servants a powerful message of faith. And I don't know what Abraham thought would happen. If he knew, could see that, that the Lord would provide something else besides Isaac. Or if he thought, you know what, I can, I can sacrifice Isaac. And guess what God's capable of doing? Resurrecting him. Raising him up. Might be a little weird for the servants to see. Here comes Isaac. He's got blood all over the front. Yeah, so what happened? Well, I killed him. And then God raised him up. I didn't have time to clean the robes. Wow, y'all are a tough crowd. (laughs) Tough crowd. It's because you're so spiritual. (laughs) Stay here. We will come back to you. Then Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. Now, by the way, this kind of tells us that Isaac was not like a little kid. He was not a baby. Because if he was, it'd be like, here, here, Isaac, here's the wood. Oh, I'm sorry, Isaac. How's that working out for you? Okay? So Isaac is a little older. It's believed that he was a teenager, maybe even older than that. And so he's complicit in this. Obviously, he doesn't know the full picture yet, which we're about to, which we already know. He's going to ask a few questions. Because as the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up. I mean, they have three days to travel together. You know, he's going through the inventory. Wood, fire, knife. Yo, Dad, we're missing something. I see we have the fire and the knife and the wood, right? They're here, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And again, we see Abraham's faith in action. Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told them about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. 
Now, it doesn't say that there was a fight or a struggle. Now, Abraham, Abraham is, he's like 115 years old at this point. If Isaac had decided, I'm not going to do that, you got to wonder, what would that look like? Look, Dad, I don't want to hurt you, but I am not going to lay on that altar. Okay, so I believe that we see in this, we see Isaac is responding to the same requirement and request from God. Because I believe that he, he was, that Abraham communicated to Isaac, you are the child of promise. God has promised us something amazing, and it's going to come through you. And so in that moment when he realizes, well, okay, I see how this is going to work. Knife, fire, wood. I've got to get on that. If it were me, if it were me, I would have popped out something that sounded like something from the 80s. What you talking about, Willis? <laughs> Say what? You want me to get on that? But Isaac doesn't. He yields to the, to the process. Now, why? What is his motivation? We're not, it's not clear, but he's participating in this fully. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And now this, we see something like this in the modern day movies. Right? We see the bomb that's going to destroy whatever. You know, the world, the house, the people, whatever. Whatever they're tied to. We see the bomb. And attached to the bomb is this little thing like it's a, like it's a clock, right? And it's always red letters or red numbers. And, of course, they're running down. And whatever they set, you've seen this, right? You've seen this device. The, the, the timer's going down. And, it's, and it never stops. Like the hero doesn't rescue it, like right at the four-and-a-half-minute mark or the three-minute mark. What happened? That's right. It goes down. It's counting down, and you have this tension, and you're like, so usually what, usually what I'll do when the kids are, and I are watching this, and I'm waiting for a certain thing, like when it gets below 10, that's when I'll go, Boom! <laughs> And they jump, and then they throw stuff at me. <laughs> Life goes on. I hope, right? Good thing is I believe in that God can resurrect from the dead. If so something really bad happened in that situation, I'd be laying hands. No, just kidding. So the, the, the clock ticks down, and then right at the last second, the hero saves the day. The bomb is disarmed. And that's kind of what we see here. The, the sacrifice is laid on the altar. He reaches for his knife. He's ready to plunge it into the heart of his son, his only son. And thankfully, he gets another word from God. What does it say? Abraham, Abraham. Here I am. I think that might have been a little different. You know, it's like, okay, here I am, Lord. Please tell me something. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God, because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up, and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its thorns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. Now, by the way... 
The place where this occurs is Mount Moriah. Now, that's not insignificant because generations later, David builds an altar on the exact same location. The plague had been halted, and David said, we must build an altar to recognize that God has saved us. And then that's the same location that Solomon's temple was built on. The very place where Abraham yielded, was willing, walked in faith, yielded his son, his only son, is the very place that the temple, Solomon's temple was built. To this day, you can walk and you can visit at least a part of that temple. The place where this is today is known as the Wailing Wall. Right? How many of you heard of that? Thank you for participating. But it's, a, it's the most high holy place that the Jews have because it's the remnant of the temple and it's the same location where Abraham sacrificed Isaac or was willing to sacrifice Isaac and where the Lord provided. So that's why the place is referred to as the Lord will provide. And I believe that that's not, that's not insignificant. Can God provide for us anywhere, anytime? Yes, he can. But does God provide, want to provide in a certain place? And I believe the answer is yes, he does. And that place that he wants to provide in and through is this place, is church, is the connection, the family, the gathering that he will do provide elsewhere, but he wants to provide here. But more importantly, the place that he wants to provide is the place that's right here. That has opened itself up for the Lord to work. That has yielded itself as a heart that says, here I am. Here I am. And that's the place where God wants to work. The angel of the Lord called Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself. Now there is nothing greater or higher than the Lord could swear by than himself. Because he is. Right? He's the great I am. That's the whole Jehovah, Yahweh. I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Now, hopefully, some of you have been able to travel outside of the uh, light pollution that is Columbus Metro. You've been out, out away from the lights and you can see what that really means when you see the Milky Way and all the stars in the sky because they could see it then, right? They could see it then. They could see and understand what that means and the, the vastness of what that meant. Through one person, Abraham, and another person, Isaac, God was going to provide a generation, numerous peoples. And as the sand on the seashore. Now, personally, I'm not a fan of sand. I think the beach would be wonderful if they eliminated the sand part. If they would just pave it, it would be so much easier. That stuff gets everywhere. Just kidding. No, I'm not. I'm not kidding at all. I'm very serious. <clears throat> your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemy, and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. We have to understand the connection that Abraham listened. He said, here I am. And then he walked in obedience. And then this is the kind of the closure of the conversation with the servants. Then Abraham returned to his servants 
And they set off together for Beersheba, and Abraham stayed in Beersheba. So that's the reality of what happens. Now let me get to my notes, because I'm actually supposed to do that. That was all introduction, by the way. So we should be out of here by two or three, I'm pretty sure. So one of the things about the, uh, the names of God is that they reveal God. They reveal an aspect of God or elements. So there's a revelation, and there's three things I want to talk about that are revelations of God in this particular scenario where we learn that, that God's name is the Lord will provide or the Lord will see to it. Character, commitment, covenant. Now, one of the neat things about this revelation is that it's not just about God, but it's about the character and commitment and the covenant that Abraham responds to. And Isaac, I believe, responds to as well. But about God, we know through this that God's character is trustworthy. He can be trusted to do what he says he's going to do. He can be trusted to bring to us what he knows we need to have, especially what we need to have to do his will. He is giving and he is generous. And his commitment, he's a covenant keeper. He is true to his word. He is committed to us and to his purpose. And also for his covenant, he takes the long view. He takes the long view. We, we get caught up in the, in the things have to happen now. We're, in, we're an instantaneous society. We're, we, need, we require immediate gratification. I don't know about you, but I have found myself actually standing at the microwave. Punch the buttons and then have the nerve. Put my hand on my hip and tap my foot like this is taking entirely too long. I mean, if popcorn could be done in 10 seconds, that would be far better. Why does it have to take a whole four minutes? And Michelle reminded, was reminding me that, you know, our, our cell phones are kind of the same way. We get aggravated. Joel tells me, lag is real. I'm pressing the buttons like, it won't work. It's like, okay, like, like the comedian says, it's going to space and back. Give it a second. I mean, there's so many amazing things in our society today. We want instant stuff, but God is out for the long haul, the long view. He sees the end from the beginning. He is, he is about fulfilling his promise. He is looking to make happen what he desires to make happen. And he is not dis dissuaded by our impatience. I, heard, I was um, on an airplane, or actually waiting for an airplane, uh, and I was... <laughs> I learned later this guy was a pastor, and he, but, the, but the guy says, if I had wanted patience, I'd have been a doctor. <laughs> and he was a pastor. Okay. Um, but God is about his covenant. He has established his covenant, and he will see it completed. The Lord will see to it. So application, there are three points of application, faithfulness, fulfillment, and fruitfulness. Faithfulness is this. We know that we can rely on God because he will see to it. Say that with me. He will see to it. All right, one more time. He will see to it. That is the God who provides. God is faithful to his word because he cannot be otherwise. He cannot be otherwise. He is faithful to his word because he is faithful to himself and his word is himself. Amen. He does not ask us what he cannot do through us. 
He doesn't. And in fulfillment, I love this scripture from uh, 2 Chronicles 16.9. It says, For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth, or in the, in, the, in the NAS, or I think the King James, it says, look to and fro. Right? To and fro. That sounds to me so much cooler. But range all around the earth, looking or throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. That's what Abraham was all about. Because he will see to it. And how about fruitfulness? The the word goes forth. This is the word of promise that was given to Abraham and to Isaac. Fruitfulness. Isaiah 55.10 says this, His word will not return empty or void. When God's word goes out, it will come back to him and it will be filled because it cannot return to him empty. We, we have a different mindset altogether. I, I've been in the store around, like, a, I've been in the stores and I've heard this kind of conversation between a, an exasperated parent and a child who will not behave. I won't describe who that is. But I'm overhearing this conversation, and there's this, there's this threat coming out. Okay, wait till, and then whatever comes after that, it's like, really? Do, you, do I think that's really going to happen? I'm not so sure, because we often say things we don't really mean. God does not do that. God does not say what he does not mean. He will fulfill what he says, and it will be fruitful. How about extrapolation? There are three things that we need to ext- extrapolate from this story, and they involve appreciation, admonition, and affor- and. Uh, affirmation. If you're catching a theme here of alliteration, it's because it's a sickness. I've asked to be healed of it, <sighs> but it hasn't happened yet. So, so appreciation. One of the things about appreciation, I don't know about you, but when we have um, the Christmas, I like to come over here because this is where it used to be. It hasn't been here in a couple of years, but this is where they set up, you know, the the manger scene, right, right here. And in the middle of it, in the center of it, was a crash. I didn't even know that word until like a few years ago. But that's a really cool word, the crash. When we take out our little Christmas items, and we have our little plastic one, you know, the one that lights up in the yard, all the paint, kind of the paints flicked off of it or whatever, because we've had it since Grandma was around, you know, when electricity was first invented, whatever. <laughs> when we take that out, whether we take it out and we set it in the yard, or we get the small little porcelain ones and set it by our tree, or we hang an ornament on our tree that has a a creche with a baby Jesus in it, that's an affirmation that the Lord will provide. Right? When we look at the cross, large and in charge like this one is in this room, which I like, I think it's very well done. When we see the cross like that, or hanging on a chain, or somewhere else, we need to remember That's a symbol that reminds us the Lord will provide. He will see to it. So whether it's the nativity or it's the cross, we recognize that the Lord will see to it. How about conversion? When we we remind ourselves of our own or we watch it happen in someone else, someone converts, they give their heart to God, they open open their spirit and say, yes, Lord, take, take me, I'm yours. When they do that, we need to say, the Lord will provide. He will see to it. How about communion? When we have that little thing of grape juice. You know, other churches use real wine. If you travel internationally, 
that's real. I did that one time, right? It was like a, in a goblet, and I took it in a big sniff. It's like, whoa, that's real stuff. <laughs> so when we look at communion, we need to say that is his body and his blood. I realize that that little bread thing tastes like nasty as all get out. <laughs> I said this earlier. I think we should bring like a little, like a little jam or something. <laughs> that's just me. But when we do that, we need to, we're affirming, we're looking at that and saying, this is his body that was broken. This is his blood that was shed for me because the Lord will see to it. He will provide. So there's some admonition there. We, we need to be careful not to let this, this idea that, you know, well, God will provide someday be an excuse or excuse us and allow us to walk in apathy or doubt. We need to be careful that it does not extend to excess. When we're talking about the Lord providing, we are not talking about bank accounts and houses and cars. Those things come from different scriptures. They do not come from this one. This one is talking about what we need spiritually. He will provide for what we need spiritually. Because when we, when we really get down to it, that's what's most important. It's kind of like that person that's drowning in the ocean. You cannot lift yourself out of the ocean. You need an intervention. And the intervention that God provides in, this, in the sea of sin that we're in is himself. That's what we recognize, that God will provide. He will see to it. So if we take this the wrong way, we step into a world of, uh, where prosperity is, it overtakes the gospel. And I believe in prosperity. I believe that God wants to bless us but I believe it's got to happen in the right way. It's spirit, soul, and body, just like that. That's, that's the First Thessalonians. Spirit, soul, and body. And his first, his first desire is to touch us in our spirit. He will supply all our needs according to his riches and glory. Right? Sometimes we say, well, the Lord, you know, thank God I bought a house. The Lord has provided. No, actually, the bank has provided. Right? Now, if you're buying it cash, hallelujah. <laughs> we'll celebrate that. That's awesome. Not that God can't work in those situations. I don't mean to say that he, he, can't, he can't work in those situations and bring just, just the right thing. I'm not saying that that's bad. I'm just saying we have to be careful. That's not what this scripture means. So, when we extrapolate this and we understand, we appreciate, we understand the admonition, now let's affirm. Let's affirm by waiting for God to do what he's going to do, but waiting from a place of believing. Let's walk in the knowledge that he is the one who will provide. He is the God that will see to it. And then let's work in what we know. When we read the scriptures, it tells us all kinds of things to do. So let's not sit on the sidelines and say, well, I'm going to wait for the Lord to provide. No, he already has. Step forward, step out, step in. Don't step back. Okay, I got, is there other steps I can use? That, that was pretty good. That wasn't even in my notes. That was, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. So we are called to be like Abraham. And what's the first thing Abraham did? He said, here I am. Here I am. What would you have of me, Lord? And that's the first place that we need to find ourselves. And then we need, to be, we need to be willing to lay down our most precious item. And by the way, 
precious as they are, beautiful as they are, that can include our children. Right? We need to recognize that the right and proper place that we submit and surrender them to God as we do ourselves. So we need to say, here we are. We need to lay down our treasure. And then we will need to believe that God will see to it and that he will provide because he is Jehovah Jireh. Would you stand, please? If I could have the prayer team teams come up. Of course, the prayer teams are available for anything uh, regarding sickness or in, in any kind of need whatsoever. That's one of the things that these guys want to do. They, they are up here to, to invite to, to be blessed by the opportunity to partner with you in faith, to believe God. But there's some things that, uh, in preparing for this message that I felt were of a particular importance, and I, I just need to be dutiful and obedient uh, to bring those to mind. One of them is that uh, we can find ourselves falling or sliding into an area of unbelief. Maybe we're in that area. Maybe we need to take that first step. Maybe you have not opened your heart and be the place that God can work and surrendered. And if you haven't, that's first order of business. Because that's what God wants most. He wants to see to it. That's what makes him the happiest and the blessed is when he sees a heart that turns whole. All of heaven rejoices when that occurs. So that's the first order business. But if we find ourselves in a place of unbelief, we need to step forward and we need to realize that God will see to it. He wants to help us in our unbelief. The other th two things that came, to, that came to mind when I was preparing for this was maybe we're holding too tightly to something that is not letting us respond to God. And we need to actively open our hands. Maybe that's the act of actually stepping out of our comfort of sitting, standing in our seat and come forward and say, I need to let this go. And the last thing is that if we have lost sight of the promise, if for some reason, you know, years ago maybe, or not too long ago, we were very excited about what God was doing, very much and in, in, in just uh, encouraged and like bold and all that was going on about what God was doing in our life, but we have waned in that because we have lost sight of that vision, then we need to remember that God has not lost that. He has not lost that, and we need to be rekindled to that. So I invite you, if any of those things apply, I invite you to come forward as the worship team uh, praise or plays, and the opportunity here is to pray. I invite you to come forward.